Christ is risen, indeed he is risen. Welcome to this week's episode of the Divine Lantern. With the blessing of His Eminence Metropolitan Basilios, the Antiochian Orthodox Archdiocese presents a podcast to educate, empower and enrich. I'm your host Jonathan from Saints Peter and Paul Antiochian Orthodox Church in New South Wales. In this week's episode, we'll be joined by Reverend Father Georges Iltahan from South Australia who will be providing a message from the Gospel of John, as read on the Sunday of the Paralytic. This will be followed by short readings from our Philokalic Nourishment series, as well as a selected chanting track. We'll then conclude today's episode with our Lives of the Saints series, as read by a member of our Archdiocese. Enjoy the episode. Christ is risen. I'm Father Georges Eltahan, the parish priest of St. Elias Antiochian Orthodox Church in Adelaide, South Australia. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 5, verses 1 to 15. At that time, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Hebrew called Bethesda, which has five porticos. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and troubled the water. Whoever stepped in first after the troubling of the water was healed of whatever disease he had. 
One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew that he had been lying there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is troubled. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your pallet and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his pallet and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your pallet. But he answered them, The man who healed me said to me, Take up your pallet and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your pallet and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse befall you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. Amen. My beloved in Christ, during these joyful days, we still celebrate our Lord Jesus Christ's resurrection. His resurrection is essential for our life because it is the way of salvation and eternal life. The resurrected Lord opened the gates of heaven. He brought back humanity to sonship. That sonship starts by being newly born of water and spirit, the baptism. That's why on Sundays after Pascha, Passover feast, we hear much about water, remembering the Samaritan woman, the paralytic, and the blind man. The baptismal water doesn't clean just the body, but it cleanses the body and soul. The paralytic man of today's reading, who was paralyzed for 38 years, was one of those who had no one to help him move toward the water. Here we have an image of humanity before the coming of Christ. The Jews had a temple in which animals were sacrificed, and the pool provided water for washing lambs before they were offered to God, and the pool was at the Beth Hesla, which means the gate of mercy or the gate of grace. The scene occurs at the Jewish feast of Pentecost, which commemorated Moses receiving the law which was given by God. The sacrificial system of the temple foreshadowed the great self-offering of our Lord on the cross, but did not heal anyone from the ravages of spiritual corruption or raise anyone from the grave. Only Christ himself fulfilled the law, which is why 
He can call and empower us to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. In contrast, the paralyzed man represents all who lack the power to move themselves to complete healing, to find the fulfillment of our common human calling to become like God in holiness. Notice that he did not call out to Christ to help him. Instead, the Lord reached out to him, asking, Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be healed? That may seem like a strange question for presumably anyone waiting by a pool for healing after 38 years of illness would want to be made well. But think for a moment about how we have all learned to adapt to our favorite sins, how we have become comfortable with whatever forms of corruption have become second nature to us over the years. By virtue of coming to church, we are apparently religious people, but that does not mean that we truly want to be healed. For to be healed means obeying the Lord's command to this fellow, rise, take up your bed and walk. It requires making the effort to rise up in obedience, to be transformed personally in how we live each day and to grow in holiness. The good news is that the Lord does not simply provide us with a set of rules to follow or services to perform. He makes us participants in himself by grace. He unites us to himself, raising us up with him from slavery to sin and death to the great dignity of those who share in his eternal life. The Savior makes us members of his own body, the church. He is the bridegroom and we are the bride. He makes us radiant in holiness, like an iron left in the fire of the divine glory. That is how he heals us such that we have the strength to obey his command, to get up from our bed of corruption and move forward in a blessed life of holiness. We receive his healing of our souls when we humbly repent of our sins in confession. We are nourished for the life of the kingdom by his body and blood in Holy Communion. When we offer our time, energy and resources to support the ministries of the Church, we rise up from selfishness to participate in the abundant generosity of the Lord. When we stop thinking of ourselves as isolated individuals and instead as members of a body with a common life in Christ, we will be able to love and serve one another in ways that will open us to his strength personally and collectively in powerful ways. In the joy of the resurrection, we must learn to see that embracing our life together in Christ 
is an essential dimension of obeying his command to rise, take up your bed, your pallet, and walk. He calls each of us to turn away from the paralyzing weakness of selfishness and laziness that would make whatever sins we have become comfortable, which appear more important than serving him in his body, the church. Where the glory and power of the resurrection are fully present. Think about that for a moment. Pascha is not an isolated event that happened long ago, but an entrance into the new day of the kingdom of heaven, which is fully open to us in the worship and common life of our parish. The Savior calls each of us weakened and held back by the corruption of sin to get up and move forward in the blessed life for which he made us in his image and likeness. That is why he died and rose again, to raise us up with him for a life of holiness, to restore us to the ancient dignity of paradise. May this season of Pascha be our entrance as a parish into the joy of the kingdom. That will happen when we rise up from whatever corruptions are holding us back to a life of obedience and serving him and one another in his body, the church. That is the only way to answer the question that he asks each of us today and every day. Do you want to be healed? My beloved in Christ, rely on him and he will be guiding you to the haven of salvation because he said, without me you can do nothing. Amen. Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. Amen. Thank you, Father George, for that enlightening message. And now a reading from our Philokalia. Take your weekly spiritual dose and reflect on the words of the Holy Neptic Fathers with this week's Philokalic Nourishment. The person struggling to enter the kingdom of God must excel in works of righteousness, in almsgiving by providing out of his own paucity, and in suffering for the sake of peace, by responding to trials with patient endurance in the Lord. Elias the Presbyter Not only does St. Paul instruct us to pray without ceasing and to persist in prayer, but so also does the Lord when he says that God will vindicate those who cry out to him day and night and counsels us to watch and pray. We must therefore pray always and not lose heart. St. Simeon Metaphrastus The good is not good unless its purpose is conformed to God's will. St. Peter of Damascus This coming Sunday, the fourth Sunday of Pascha, we commemorate the paralytic and, as it is right, we celebrate the miracle wrought for him. The word of Christ was strength for the paralytic, so that this word alone 
was the man's full healing. Jesus healed the paralytic at the sheep's pool, located near the sheep's gate of Jerusalem, where people sacrificed their beasts and washed their insides. The pool had five sides, with a porch and an arch on each. A number of people, afflicted with various diseases, passed through them, waiting at the water for an angel to come down and stir it. Once it moved, whoever stepped into the water first was instantly healed. One poor man, whose story is recounted in today's Gospel lection in the Divine Liturgy, waited 38 years for someone to lower him into the water because he was unable to move into the water himself. However, the Saviour merely commanded the man to get up and walk, and he was healed. In thine infinite mercy, O Christ our God, have mercy on us. Amen. The following segment is a reading from the lives of the saints, or Synaxarion. We have chosen to begin our first collection of readings on the lives of Antiochian saints, of which we are thankful to bring a selected number of edifying accounts. We hope that these Synaxarions will encourage you to put on the likeness of Christ, as did these vessels of grace. On the 1st of September, we remember our venerable God-bearing father, Simeon the Stylites. Our Holy Father Simeon was born about 390 
in the village of Sisa, on the borders of Syria and Cilicia. When he was a boy, his devout parents would send him into the wilderness to find pasture for the sheep. One day, when the snow lay so deep it was impossible to find anything for his flock, the young boy went into a church and heard these words read, Blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are the pure in heart, and the rest of the Beatitudes. Having found out what to do in order to fulfill this commandment of Christ, Simeon abandoned his family and every worldly tie and entered a nearby monastery where he stayed for two years. Then, as he wanted to lead a more ascetic life, he made his way to the monastery of Toledo, near Antioch, where the monk Heliodorus directed more than 80 brethren with great wisdom and strict observance. Simeon spent 10 years there, but from the beginning of his stay he overtook everyone in ascetic rigour. Whereas the other monks ate every two days, Simeon took a meagre repast, but once a week. So great was his wish to suffer for Christ that he wore a belt of palm leaves under his clothes, so tightly girded that he bit into his flesh. Seeing that his warfare was above human strength and could be harmful to others who, taking it as a model, might attempt labours above their ability, the elders of the monastery ordered the blessed man to leave them. Simeon accordingly made his way to the wildest part of the neighbouring mountain and, finding a dry well, went down into it and stayed there, singing the praises of God day and night. After five days, the monks of Toledo felt sorrow at having driven him away and wanted to bring him back, but they had a long search, for he was in a place avoided by everyone, as it was the haunt of demons. Simeon returned to the monastery out of obedience, but did not stay long because he sought something beyond the ordinary measure. He went to a village called Talanisos, where he found a little house in an isolated place. There he stayed in complete seclusion for three years, working constantly to acquire the heavenly virtues. Like Moses, Elias and our Saviour Christ, he wanted to spend the 40 days of Lent without eating anything at all. So he asked his friend Blasus to wall up the entrance of his cell. The latter would only agree on condition the athlete of Christ took a little bread and water with him, lest he be reduced to the last extremity of hunger. At the end of the 40 days, Blasus entered the cell. He found the bread and water just as he had left them and the saint lying motionless on the ground, too weak to utter a single word. He only regained some strength after partaking of the holy mysteries. Trained by experience, Simeon spent every Lent after that without eating and, strengthened by grace, remained on his feet throughout the time with incomparable liveliness of spirit. After spending three years in this cell, Simeon went up to the summit of a mountain and had himself bound by a heavy chain until Miletios, a country bishop of the Church of Antioch, pointed out to him that the will of a man enlightened by reason ought to show itself stronger than any chain in preventing his thoughts straying here and there. This argument convinced Simeon, who knew that the ascetic struggle is praiseworthy only to the extent that it restores the image of God in our nature to its original beauty. He obeyed the bishop and had his bonds of iron broken. Large worms emerged from the wounds made by the chain, clearly showing that the patience of the saint had in every way been equal to that of the martyrs 
and if possible, even greater, for he had subjected himself to these torments of his own will for the love of Christ. So widely did the fame of his holiness spread that a constant stream of the faithful began to come for his blessing and the healing of soul and body, not only from the surrounding region, but also from distant lands. Simeon sought for nothing but solitude to draw nigh to heaven in pure contemplation. He decided to build a pillar with a little platform on the top where he could install himself so as to escape from troublesome adulation. His first pillar was 10 feet high. He made a second of 19 feet and a third of 36 feet. He settled finally on a column 58 feet high, where he remained for 20 years until his death, living nearer heaven than earth. The increase in height of each of these stations was the visible sign of the ascensions of his spirit into the divine light. Open to the gaze of all, Simeon attracted yet greater crowds Alone with the one God upon his lofty pillar, the saint was an instrument, nonetheless, of the divine loving-kindness. He wrought many miracles and healings and forewarned of natural disasters. Everyone regarded him as a haven of salvation and of spiritual consolation. Crucified to the world and concealing nothing of his life, Saint Simeon offered himself, in the words of the Apostle, as a spectacle to angels and to men. Clothed in this mortal body, he led the life of the bodiless angels, but his humility was still more wonderful for, after attaining such virtues and working so many miracles, he sincerely regarded himself as the least of men. Saint Simeon fell asleep in the Lord while deep in prayer in 459 at the age of 69. Having spread all around him the peace that reigned in his heart, his precious relics were taken to Antioch, accompanied by a huge crowd and continued to accomplish many miracles for those who approached them with faith. In 467, at the request of Saint Daniel the Stylite, who rivaled the exploits of Simeon, the Emperor Leo I had his holy relics translated to Constantinople, where a church was built to receive them not far from Saint Daniel's pillar. The monastery of Mandra, which had grown up around Saint Simeon's pillar, developed to an extraordinary extent after his death with the column at the centre of four basilicas set in the form of a cross. It remained a great place of pilgrimage, although it soon fell into the hands of the Monophysites. It was destroyed by the Arabs in 985. Through the prayers of your saints, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Amen. A big thank you to all our listeners as we conclude this week's episode of The Divine Lantern. Be sure to subscribe and share our channel on your favorite podcast provider. For more information on our Archdiocese, follow us on our social platforms by searching Antiochian Orthodox Archdiocese Australia. Enjoy your week.